Hello, everyone. Welcome to Jalo the Month Club. I'm your host, Diana Koch. On this solo episode, it will be just me, just your host, and I'm reviewing I in the Labyrinth from 1972. This is a listener-picked episode. Thank you to everyone who follows and voted on Instagram. In this film, a woman searches for her missing lover, a psychiatrist who has suddenly vanished for no apparent reason. She ends up at a villa populated by a group of eccentric individuals, and a string of murders begins. This is your spoiler warning. I in the Labyrinth is available to watch for free on Tubi. Proceed with caution if you have not seen this one, as I am going to spoil many points of the film, including who the killer is. In this film, Julie is disturbed by the disappearance of her psychiatrist boyfriend Luca, following a bizarre dream where she witnessed him being chased, then stabbed to death. Julie goes to the clinic where Luca works and receives a clue as to Luca's whereabouts from a patient. She travels to a seaside village where he might be and encounters Frank, an older, kind of shady gentleman, (laughs) who tells Julie that Luca has indeed been there. Julie's investigation leads her to the house of Greta, where the mystery deepens among the odd characters residing at this artist's villa. Everyone seems to know what happened to Luca, but no one is opening up, and it seems as if during the amateur investigation, someone may be trying to kill Julie. Released in March 1972, Eye in the Labyrinth includes such jalo elements as J&B whiskey, female nudity, close-ups of eyes, a foreigner solving a mystery in another country, drug use, implied rape, a seaside town, abuse towards women, and a cat jump scare. This film is also a showcase in how our female lead needs to be repeatedly saved because of her fragile mental state, picked up by men due to her inherent weakness, all while trying to solve her boyfriend's disappearance. The film is set mostly in a sun-bleached villa full of people laying around sunbathing and relaxing, which makes you excited for the possible murderous things to come. When thinking of the actual title of the film, Eye in the Labyrinth, the image of an eye at the center of a maze suggests a trope common and jolly, where the person seeking to solve the mystery is a private eye, investigating a web of mysteries and lies surrounding a disappearance or murder. This film takes large leaps at psychoanalytic ideas. As the opening title card states, a labyrinth is constructed to confuse the human mind. Its architecture rich in symmetry is subordinated to that result. Our main character is not only trying to solve the mystery of her missing boyfriend, but it turns out she is seeking the nature of her own self, lost in the maze of her own conflicting nature. Director Mario Ciano has been credited for creating the first spaghetti western with 1955's El Coyote. The director dips his toes into a thriller that is both psycho and sexual with poignant ethical issues. 
Every man in this movie is extremely rapey. Every woman is a mess. The film mostly masquerades as a giallo, glossing over various plot points typical of the genre, but never fully commits. It was financed by the city of Monaco, along with some German investors and stars. Although starring several popular German actors and was co-produced by a German company, this film has never been released in Germany in any form, neither theatrical nor video or DVD. As for our cast, we have Rosemary Dexter in our lead role as Julie. Rosemary Dexter moved to Italy from Pakistan in the late 1950s and appeared in 30-some films until the mid-1970s. I had never heard of her until this film, but she was a pleasant surprise. She has such an innocence about her, but certainly holds her own against some Italian big hitters, such as Adolfo Celli and Alita Valley. Adolfo Celli plays Frank, the creepy con man, in this film. Adolfo was a Sicilian-born actor who was very popular with European audiences. You might recognize him from Fragment of Fear, 1970, Who Saw Her Die, in 1972, and Ruggiero Diodato's Live Like a Cop, Die Like a Man, in 1976. Alita Valley plays Gerda. She's a somewhat house mother at the seaside villa in Eye in the Labyrinth. You would recognize Alita from Dario Argento's Suspiria and Inferno. Additionally, within the cast, we have Horst Frank from So Sweet, So Perverse, Franco Russell from Blood and Black Lace, and a young Sybil Danning in a small part as Tony. Deceptively titled Blood in Ireland, Eye in the Labyrinth contains a rather small body count as it plows along at a relaxed pace. Though it does have a terrifying audiovisual depiction of a decapitation, there are only five kills in this one. With a 93-minute runtime, we get a stabbing, a car fire, said decapitation, someone being shot with a spear gun, and more stabbing. Emphasizing the craziness of the more intense scenes is hypnotic music by Baba regular Roberto Nicolosi. The score is heavily influenced by Miles Davis's experimental period that began in the late 1960s and sounds like one of his double albums from the early 70s. Eye in the Labyrinth starts off with a bang as its dreamlike German expressionism opening leads one to expect something of an avant-garde giallo. Without explaining everything that happens in the movie, What we get is a pretty standard thriller that is stylishly shot and benefits from the beautiful location where much of it takes place. In the last 10 minutes of the film, we have our big reveal. We find out that Julie wasn't just Luca's girlfriend, but his patient too. Apparently Luca was a scumbag. He preyed on Julie, took advantage of her so-called daddy issues, slept with her, then tried to throw her away. In the conclusion of the film, Frank reveals that Julie's visit to the seaside town was her second trip. She came to the resort a few days prior in a fit of rage and murdered Luca. None of the residents witnessed the murder, but they found the dead body and covered it up to avoid having their own crimes exposed. It turns out Luca was the type of person who would get inside people's heads, have them reveal their deepest, darkest secrets, just for fun. 
Then he'd use those secrets and weaknesses against them, so everyone in the villa had motive to dislike Luca at some point. There are a lot of side characters and red herrings along the way. Far too long is spent introducing each of these side characters and revealing why exactly they may have motive to harm or kill Luca. This is kind of a bummer because there are plenty of weirdo characters still hanging around at the end that could have been killed off. There's also a random subplot about a transgender character, which I think is only there to build on the theme of grappling with one's identity. It's mentioned in one scene, then it's not brought up again. There is an emphasis on psychology, which for a Jalo is not unusual, especially one from the 1970s. I do think the reveal of Julie as our killer is an interesting one. The I in the movie's title could be seen as Julie herself. She's the would-be detective, the private I, but she's also the evil thing, waiting at the maze's center. With that said, I do wish there were more clues or indicators along the way. The audience never knows much about Julie's psychological state, and it's never let on that she was being treated for anger issues or anything along those lines that would lead her to snap and kill Luca. Not saying he didn't deserve it. (laughs) First, Julie sees Luca being murdered in a dream. Then she sees flashes of a painting and a vision. There's recurring imagery that is seen by just Julie, but not much more is known about her. Only in the final moments of the film do we realize that she is seeing a painting that is located inside this villa. Seeing this painting in real life triggers a final breakdown and the reveal of Julie as our killer. Then Frank comes in with the exposition in the final moments of the film. It's all a bit rushed, which again, not my favorite, but it is typical of the genre. Everything hinges on our protagonist Julie's psychological state and on the power of the artwork that she sees in her visions. I did love seeing a film celebrate the power of art with this painting and what it symbolizes, but again, I wish that there was more of this throughout the entire runtime. The thematic depth is there, but it's not totally fleshed out. The first five and the last ten minutes of Eye in the Labyrinth are really, really great, but everything in between is a bit boring. It comes across more like a slow-burn German thriller than an Italian giallo. I have two Flavor of the Month picks for you this episode. My first pick, Thunderball from 1965, featuring a seaside villa and harpoon guns. Hello, we have a spear gun murder in this movie. Thunderball is the fourth in the James Bond series and stars Sean Connery as James Bond. We also have... Adolfo Celli, who plays Frank in Eye in the Labyrinth, he is a one-eyed evil mastermind in Thunderball, and you can watch the film on HBO Max. My second pick is Fight Club from 1999. I've been on a real David Fincher kick since watching Seven in a Bar last weekend. Yes, they were playing that movie in a bar, Uh, but this David Fincher film fits Eye in the Labyrinth's theme of grappling with identity or hidden identity or dual identities. 
In Fight Club, a depressed man suffering from insomnia meets a strange soap salesman and soon finds himself living in his decrepit home and forming an underground fight club. You can watch Fight Club on Hulu. Jell-O the Month Club is now in Letterboxd. Follow the list titled Jell-O the Month Club for every movie reviewed on the podcast, including this one. You can also follow along on Twitter and Instagram at Jello Club for all the Jello goodness you can handle. Logo design is by Vegan Patches on Instagram. Theme music is by Dream Division. You can find Dream Division's music on Instagram at Dream Division Music and on Bandcamp at dreamdivision.bandcamp.com. You can follow myself, your host, Diana, on Twitter, Instagram, and Letterboxd at Diana NK. If you follow me on Letterboxd, you will likely know which movie is going to be the next Jalo of the month because I log everything that I watch. Thank you so much for joining me on this dive into Eye in the Labyrinth. As always, I'm your host, Diana Koch, and you've been listening to Jalo of the Month.